Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Wake Up to the Word. It is Old Testament Thursday. Yes, so yes, it is Old Testament Thursday. And we are coming to you deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. We are so glad that you are here. Yes, studio audience that does not exist. Coffee of the week, oddly enough, Good and Gather Butterscotch. <laughs> Interesting flavor. I'm not going to say I love it, but it's okay. So, uh, if you like butterscotch, you definitely taste butterscotch in there. There's no question about it. A little, little strong on the butterscotch, not as strong on the coffee. So, not bad, not bad at all. We're glad you're here. And uh, this is um, quite an episode we're going to have. You think last episode was... Um, was, uh, you know, touch and go there, uh, you know, we kind of tipped throw, tiptoed through the tulips on that one, uh, do I have anything for that, oh yeah, I got no, that's not it, yeah, yeah, we kind of tiptoed through the tulips on that one, uh, trying to keep our family-friendly sticker on there, <clears throat> but, uh, hope you enjoyed it, hope you learned something, and uh, we are still coming to you uh, live, uh, recorded live, um, here uh, in my office in the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. And um, we are being heard in seven countries. Yay! We're gl glad to hear about that. A big applause for that. Seven countries. And uh, we are available, as I said, on Spotify and many of our episodes on YouTube, we're still playing catch-up on that, so we're about halfway there. So um, when you hear this, we'll have a few more episodes up there. And uh, I am recording this on Wednesday night, just so you know, because I have a very busy schedule um, uh, tomorrow. Actually, I'm recording it on Tuesday night, because I have a very busy schedule tomorrow and uh, Thursday. And so I'm going to try to get these pre-recorded so we can... Uh, Make sure they're in the can and uh, ready to load up uh, right on Thursday morning and Friday morning. So, so this is uh, you will be hearing this on the twentieth. Uh, uh, yes, July the twentieth, and uh, you will be here with the reading. Our Old Testament reading is a Deuteronomy 31, 32, 33, 34, very thick stuff, and we're going to spend the majority of our time right there, and uh, then Joshua 1 through 4. We're not going to get into Joshua a whole lot, maybe chapter 1 a little bit, and uh, we'll backtrack and catch up because we got uh, some stuff to do, but uh, this is a very pivotal episode, and uh, we want uh, to spend its due on it. So as we get to 31, Joshua is about to exceed, uh, <laughs> exceed, succeed, uh, succeed Moses. He's going to start leading the people. But Moses has some final words that he wants to say. And these words are so important as he, as he tells them. He's 120 years old. He's, uh, he's coming to the end. And you notice he's, he has some clues of things that he's saying. 
<clears throat> as we read through, you can pick up on these clues. I'm going to start here, uh, uh, th verse 3 of chapter 31. The Lord your God himself will give over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dis dispossess them. Dispossess is a very important terminology. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites. And these two kings uh, were believed to be Og for sure, part of the Nephilim, part of the residual of the Nephilim. Og was definitely huge, a big, gigantic guy. Um, and and uh, Moses is equating going into this land and meeting these people with these other with these this other group, these Nephilim group. And we remember the Nephilim all the way back from Genesis 6, where it says, The sons of God came to the daughters of men and had married them and had children with them. These were the men of renown. Uh, the, and the Nephilim were on the land in those days, giants. And so <clears throat> this combination of... Uh, supernatural and natural beings created these these people and they were on the land before the flood and it says and again after the flood and uh, God finally dealt with those people we hear more about that when we get in more deeper into the New Testament what happened with those people so I don't want to play too much spoiler some of you already are aware of it um so the Lord said to Moses, I'm at towards the uh, end of uh, 31. Uh, then this, he's, he's, he, Jesus, uh, uh, Joshua commissioned to lead Israel, but he's getting a word. And the Lord said to Moses, Mo, he's, he's kind of giving him a preview of what's to come. Then this people will rise and whore after foreign gods, foreign Elohim. <clears throat> the word is Elohim, foreign gods. And so among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. And then it goes down to the end there at 18. I will surely hide my face in those days, in that day, <clears throat> because of all the evil that have, they have done because they have turned to other gods. Again, the word Elohim. Now, why is this word important? Because... Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Elohim. And uh, many of you, if you've uh, been taught from scripture at all, have been told that this Elohim word is a unique word for God. It is not a unique word. It is a very generic word. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's over 2,000 times in the Old Testament. It's used for God. It's actually sometimes even used for, for a man as, a, as picturing himself as as divine, as a god. It's a generic word that means god or gods. It is pluralistic and can be singular as well. <clears throat> so this Elohim word is used often throughout the Old Testament, and it's important to distinguish it because Yahweh is Almighty God, the Most High God, the Most High Elohim. And then there's these lower forms, the higher than the angels, but but uh, the, the messengers, uh, part of the divine council, but they're not God. They're not creators. They're not the creator God. They're not the Most High God. They're not the Almighty God. They're not Yahweh. There's only one Yahweh. 
Yahweh is an Elohim because God is a generic word. The Elohim is a generic word. But all other Elohim are not Yahweh. And that's important to understand. These are created lesser Elohim. These are created beings. Yahweh is uncreated. He is self-sustaining. He is self-eternal. And that is important. We are not polytheistic in who we worship here. Under, we're not polytheistic in understanding that the, there's more than one creator God. There's not. And so, but what I do want us to do is read the Bible with the Hebrew eyes that it was written. And we get a better understanding of where the word of God is going if we take this point of view. And it's going to be very important as we come into Deuteronomy 32 because there's several things going on here in Deuteronomy 32. First, we'll just start off right at the beginning. Give ears, O heaven, and I will speak. This is Moses. This is the song of Moses. And I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Uh, and then verse 3, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. And when you look at the name of the Lord, this is one of the terms that's often used for Christ. In the Old Testament, he didn't have the name Jesus. He's called the Word. He's called uh, the Son of God in a couple of places. He's called the name of the Lord. And he's called the Word of the Lord. So, And he's called the Angel of the Lord. And so there's, there's uh, lots of different terms that are used to describe Jesus throughout the Old Testament before he was Jesus, before he came in the flesh and was given that name, okay? He still existed because he's part of the triune, eternal, almighty God. And so he's still existing. So, he, so when Moses says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, he's He's talking about the specific part of the Trinity, Christ, the name of the Lord, and the Trinity as a whole, the greatness of our God. The rock, his work is perfect. This is verse 4. For all his ways are justice. And this is, this is that characteristic that I always try and re remind people of. People always say God is love, and they are absolutely True. That's absolutely true. God is love. When you say God, you're saying love. It is synonymous. But if there is no justice, if there's not justice, then it is not pure love. Without justice, love is skewed. So you, ha you can't have one without the other. If you're going to have pure love, you have to have pure justice as well. You cannot have one without the other. <clears throat> And then we come down to verse, I'm going to start at verse 7 here. Remember the days of old. Such an important line. Moses is telling them, go back to what you know. Go back to what you've been told. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. This is such an important setup for what he's going to say next. Because the, the account has been carried down from generation to generation. 
And here we go. When the Most High, this is Yahweh, this is the Creator, gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is Jacob, his allotted heritage. There's so much packed into these verses that we're going to spend the majority of this episode right here, okay? The rest, the majority of the rest of this episode right here. So when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, what nations? We got to go all the way back to Genesis 10, and there's a list of nations that come that come on before the towel Tower of Babel incident. There's a list of nations that come from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And they're listed all right there. <clears throat> and the number of those nations is 70. And that's an important number to remember. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> so it says, he gave to the nations their inheritance. So what, what did he give them? I don't know. What, what are you talking about? And he divided mankind... He fixed the borders of the peoples. Okay, we're talking about the flood. No, we're not talking about the flood. We're talking about Babel. Because right here, and he gave to the nations their inheritance. What's he talking about? The chapter just before Babel. The, the, the table of nations. And he gave, and he divided mankind. When did he divide mankind? He divided them by language. He divided them at Babel by language. He divided them up, and this word divided is uh, damarizo, dia, dia marizo in Greek, and in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, this is the word that's used here and in Babel, and then if you go all the way to the New Testament in Acts chapter 2, Luke uses the same exact word when the tongues of fire divided and came to rest on people. The same word, dia marizo, the same exact word. And so this is a this has connectivity. These three events, these three portions of scripture are connected. All right. Babel is connected because they're divided. And they use the same word here, same Hebrew word and the same Greek word in the Septuagint, when he divided mankind he divided them by languages, okay? And now, as we come to the New Testament in Acts, the, div- the, the tongues came and divided, the tongues of fire, the Spirit of God divided and came on people, and the unification, the reversal of this division started there in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost Sunday. So, there's that little connection, but you don't know it. You don't know it in Acts chapter 2 if you don't know it here and if you don't know it all the way back in Genesis chapter 11. So <clears throat> as we come, we, we continue, they're divided by languages, and he fixed the borders of the people. How did he fix the borders? They had different languages. This, that, that, that divided mankind, he fixed the borders. This is using language. He divided the languages. He fixed their borders they could not communicate. They separated at that point. And how did he do it? According to the number of the sons 
of God. Again, the word Elohim, the sons of God. This goes all the way back to Genesis again, chapter 6, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, okay? So the sons of God, we're talking about divine beings, and right here we're talking about divine beings. So he, he divided them according to the number of the sons of God. So what does that mean? He took this group, this group from the divine counsel of God, and he assigned them to the nations. What's the number of the nations again? 70. Very important number to remember, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that again in a little bit. But if you take, if you take that 70 number, and, and it's, a, uh, it's a number that says it was a part of the whole. That's how it reads. So there's more. The divine council has more. So he didn't take them all, but he assigned them to people. We don't know exactly uh, what the assignment was. But I'm sure the assignment was not uh, not uh, go and turn them away from God. But what what they they did was God said, if you don't, because Babel was the catalyst. They were creating worship for themselves. They were they were they were uh, creating their own uh, temple. They were creating their own sacred space. They're building the tower, a ziggurat, a false mountain. They were creating their own sacred space, making their own false religion. And then he says, if you don't want to worship me, if you want to create it yourself, then I will give you something to worship and I will start again. Okay, I'm going to start again. So he, I will start with my own people. So right after chapter 11, Tower of Babel, what happens in chapter 12? Oh, he calls Abraham to start a nation. So the Israel people, but the Lord's portion is his people. So he gives the inheritance, he gives the portion over to the Elo, the lesser Elohim, and he takes his own portion, which is Israel. Because it says, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Jacob, as we know, his name was changed to Israel. Now, in some translations, this, this ver end of verse 8, he says, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of Israel or sons of Jacob, some translations say. But the Dead Sea Scrolls tell us that this word is Elohim, according to the number of the sons of Elohim, the sons of God. It says, but the Lord Yahweh apportioned him, his, his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Israel is, are the, is the people of God. He allotted himself. There's so many things going on here. I talked about the Acts chapter 2. And if we go to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, there is, he is alluding to this very thing again. Okay, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that men are without excuse for although 
They knew God. They did not honor him. This is exactly what they're talking about. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is referencing all the way back to this portion of scripture 32 and Babel. This they worshiped the cre the creatures instead of the creator. First they worshiped themselves, then they worshiped the lesser Elohim that God had assigned to them. Um this is uh, also paralleled, this portion of scripture. We already read this portion in Deuteronomy, sorry, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 4. <clears throat> and I know I'm going fast, so jot things down if you need to, or, or listen to it again and get a pen. Deuteronomy 4, uh, 4, 19 and 20, where it says, uh, And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars... All the hosts of heaven, sons of God, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all people under the whole heaven, but the Lord has taken you, he's talking Israel, and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. So it's is saying that again, took the hosts of heaven, you're looking up to them, you're, you're bowing down and worshiping them. And now Psalm 82 is another parallel verse that talks about this very thing again, that God is not going to put up with that. He's going to, he's going to, uh, these lesser Elohim, they were sent down. I don't know why, don't know how they turned on God, but they did. They were sent down to lead these nations, and they are still leading these nations, and that is important to understand, and God is taking back his land, and that's part of what his, the kingdom of God is at hand, that's part of what was going on in the New Testament. Psalm 82, Psalm of Asaph, God has taken his place in the divine council, there's that term again, in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. God, Elohim, has taken place in the has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, Elohim. He holds judgment. And if you go to the end of that chapter, I said, You are gods, you are Elohim. This is this is Almighty God talking. Sons of the Most High. Now he's talking about himself, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die. And that is be separated from a holy God and fall like any prince. God, uh, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So that's eight. So God is going to take back all the nations. And this will happen when he comes down and sets up his millennial kingdom and all the people of the earth 
will live under his reign. Okay, it doesn't end there. So, um, if we keep reading, if we keep going in this chapter, he found him in the desert land in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Did you ever... The apple of his eye? There you go. If you ever heard that saying, that's where it comes from right there. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over the young, spreading out its wing, catching them, bearing them in his, in his pinions... The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with the honey of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd and milk from the flock and fat of the lamb, the rams of Bashan and the goats with very fine wheat. You, and you drank foamy wine, foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. But Yeshuron grew fat and kicked you, and kicked you grew and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. And then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. They stirred, and here we go into 16. This is going to get 16, 17, 18. This is important. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, strange Elohim, with Abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods. So we're talking about the demonic spirits that were not, they're not even Elohim. They're not Elohim. And two gods, to Elohim, they had never known. So they sacrificed both to demons and to the lesser Elohim that they didn't know. They didn't even know who they were whom your fathers had never dreaded. They weren't afraid of them. You were unmindful of the rock that you bore, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. So they're saying that they forgot about God, and they started to worship these other, these other creatures. 1 Corinthians 10.20 <clears throat> talks very similarly about this language. It uses this language in the New Testament just to show you that both Luke, who wrote um, in Acts chapter 2, is familiar with this. Paul, who wrote in Romans and here, uh, 10.20. No, I imply that what pagan sacrifices they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? These, these scriptures, 20 through 22 of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, are shadows of exactly what, what Moses is saying here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. These are the same things going on. Paul understood this worldview, and he's telling them these, these, these demons of the lesser Elohim provoke people to worshiping and abominations with their body, and, and we can't be okay with that and follow and worship God. These things are diametrically opposed. 
That's what Moses is saying here in Deuteronomy. That's what Paul was saying in Romans. Uh, there's some other illusions that go on here as we finish up uh, uh, 32. <clears throat> it says, uh, how could one have chased a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? That is an allusion again to the disinheriting of the nations. For their rock, this is 31, for their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves for their vine comes from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. And this is just talking about they are determined to be part of this self-pleasure, sexual uh, sin that goes on. And these are just allusions to all of those things. So now we get down to the end of 32 and Moses is coming to the end of his life. How far have I gone? I'm probably way over. Oh, no, I'm at 29. I got a couple of minutes here. <clears throat> and you're saying, hey, go, go, don't stop. No, that's fine. Keep going. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was a whirlwind tour, let me tell you. So that very day, the Lord spoke to Moses, go up to the mountain of Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, and... Uh, to Jericho, and he's going to show him all the land because you. And and here's why he's not going in. There's a there's there's a spiritual reason, but this is the natural reason, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel of the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. He was told to talk to the rock, and water would come out, and he hit the rock with the staff. God still did the miracle because the people still needed the water, okay? Uh, God's not going to sacrifice all the people because Moses didn't obey. But Moses has a consequence to pay. And in the natural, we have consequences to pay. But God is working things out. God is painting a picture with our life, both physically and spiritually. And right here, we, we see what that is because... Uh, as we come to the end of the chat, as we come to the end of this book here, in uh, 33 and 34, first Moses, fi final blessing on Israel. Good old cough button. And he goes through the names and blesses them. And then he gets to 34. And then Moses went up from the plain of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. He just let him see the whole thing. This is the land of which I swore to Abraham. This is uh, verse 4, excuse me, of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there and in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. So who wrote chapter 34? probably Joshua, as told to him by the word of the Lord. Who's the word of the Lord? I put a question mark, but did Jesus tell Joshua how to end the book? Yeah, because he's going to keep writing the book of Joshua. And that's how we get to the beginning here. After the death of Moses, Joshua chapter 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, assistant 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan and you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And Joshua assumes command, goes into chapter 10. But people ask, why? Moses did all of those things. He made one mistake, one error in judgment, and God does not allow him into the promised land because of the one mistake, this has such spiritual significance. Moses represents the law. He is the giver of the law. God gave him the law on Mount Sinai. He gave the law to the people. He recites the law. He gives it again here. And even before he dies, he tells them, put it in the Ark of the Covenant. Here is the law, the books of the law. Take the law, put it in the ark, keep it with the people, read it every seven years aloud to the entire assembly. Moses represents the law, okay? You cannot get... Salvation does not come. Heaven is not acquired through the obedience of the law. Even if you break it at one point... You are guilty of breaking it all because it is a whole. Moses disobeyed at the one instant. That's what, he's, that's what he's being held account to. The one instant, and he does not enter into the promised land. Who brings the people into the promised land? Joshua. What is that name? That is the name of Jesus. Yeshua is the Hebrew word name that is transliterated in Greek to Yezu, and we get Jesus from it. But Jesus' real Hebrew name is Yeshua. It's Yeshua. It's Joshua. It's Yeshua. Joshua is the anglicized name of Yeshua. So the only way to enter the promised land is if you follow Yeshua. That's the only way. The symbolism is enormous. The symbolism cannot be avoided. Moses broke the law. You cannot get into heaven by keeping the law. You can't do it. You can only enter heaven by following Yeshua. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at Old Testament Thursday. It was a whirlwind tour, but we're glad that you have joined us. I feel better now that I got that recorded. I hope I hit record. Yes, I did. We are recording. <laughs> you guys, we'll see you tomorrow at uh, New Testament Friday. What are you reading tomorrow? Let me see. You are reading Mark 10 and Luke 18. Read on. Follow Yeshua. Bye-bye.